Welcome to the Boss Podcast. This podcast provides today's sellers with sales tactics that will help them to reach their goals. Your host, Mark McGinnis, brings you diverse guests, high-quality discussion, and valuable insights on every single show. Mark is the author of Tactical Pipeline Growth, as well as an in-demand sales trainer and coach for B2B companies all over the world. If you want to be better at outbound sales, you're definitely in the right place. Now let's get into the podcast. Welcome to the Boss Podcast. If you want some great ideas around how to be better at selling, how to start conversations with your ideal clients, then this podcast is perfect for you. Here in this episode, we have another tactical and valuable piece of outreach from the LinkedIn king, James Watson. James and I have been swapping ideas on Twitter since our last episode, and he's uncovered even more really cool ideas and reasons to help you engage with your buyers regardless of where they are. So we know that LinkedIn's getting harder to use, right? There are more and more spam messages arriving in your inbox coming via connection messages or just straight out spam through the DMs. So connection messages are nearly always the same. They're weak automated attempts at personalization. And we now know which ones are automated and which ones aren't. LinkedIn is trying to combat this and they're reducing your ability to connect with lots of new connections. So I just want to be clear here, they're reducing the amount of connection requests you can send to help wind back these automated outreach plays. So that's going to be make it harder for us to build out a network, right? So what should we do and how can we use LinkedIn as part of our multi-channel outreach? As usual, we're going to show you why you need to change and what you should do and how to do it. We also chat about the new features coming for LinkedIn and what that might mean for all of us. The two of those features are LinkedIn Marketplace and LinkedIn Audio Chat Room, so much like Clubhouse. So this is a slightly longer episode, but it's so full of value. But before we jump into this episode, let me share something with you. If you want to get access to some sales skills or sales tactics for free, that's 100% A-OK. All you need to do is jump across to my LinkedIn profile, and if we're not connected, then let's connect, and you'll see right there on my featured section, there are always some great things absolutely free for you to grab and put to work straight away. It could be free training via a video session, or it could be an infographic, or maybe some free downloads, a PDF or whatever. If you want something more often, then your best bet is to subscribe to my fortnightly newsletter where I share the best sales strategies I've found during that two-week period. I don't spam you. It's one email a fortnight. It's nothing more. I have over a 1,000 sales professionals getting that as of today. So feel free to join them. All you need to do to gain access is to go to markmc.co and you can sign up right there on the front page. If you want something more customized, if you or your team need to be starting more client-centric conversations and you want a hand with that, then by all means, let's chat. And the best way to start that process is simply by sending me a message on LinkedIn or via the website or via Twitter. Now, let's hear from James Watson, the LinkedIn king. Welcome to the Boss Podcast this week. He's back. James Watson, the LinkedIn King. Was it The Shining where they said he's back? <laughs> Welcome back and thank you for coming back onto the Boss Podcast, mate. Well, thanks for having me again, Mark. So it's, it's always great to be invited back. It's a good sign, hopefully. So I enjoyed our discussion last time. I think we've got plenty to discuss today. It's going to be super relevant to your audience. 
Yeah, so um, look, ladies and gentlemen, it's great to have you know the LinkedIn King back on the boss stage. James, you were responsible for the PIM, the personalized message, yeah, personalized image marketing episode that we ran not that long ago. And now that strategy is in most, like 80% of my clients' cadences. So they use a manual version. I use it to follow up connection requests. So thank you. Listeners, if you haven't listened to that strategy and you haven't used it, go and check it out. All you need to do is look for the Boss Podcast and look for uh, the LinkedIn King in the title. And James, you were the fastest to 150 downloads ever on this podcast. Well, that's great to hear, Mark. It was certainly good information. It's a great strategy. I'm curious to know what differences we make to your clients and your outreach using PIM. Is there anything you can quantify in that regard yet? Not huge numbers, but I'll tell you what works we're replacing it with and it works. is So we've been using previously Vidyard Outreach, you know, so like a little video. And what we found is that there's a reluctance to download or press play, even if you've got that personalized, you know, screen or the, we were using their people's LinkedIn background. Right. And what we found is people didn't recognize, or what I believe is people didn't recognize it was their background because they're not on LinkedIn a lot. Whereas if we use the personalized image and we take their picture and put it on a whiteboard, you know, with me standing next to the whiteboard and some really simple text as per your strategy, they don't need to download it. The picture's in the email and it's very easy for them to go, okay, this is for me. It's specifically for me. So there's less hesitation or no requirement to click on a video link. So I think that's I think that's why it works. Does that sound about right for you? Or It does. And then the other option you've got is so images are powerful. People underplay the value of images. Obviously, the old cliche is an image is worth a thousand words, right? It's like you don't have to download it, click on it, you just see it, and you consume it immediately. This is why you have Instagram. This is why you have Snapchat. This is why you have Pinterest, right? Image-based platforms, especially. And so the other option you've got, though, is to turn your video into an animated GIF and then upload that. And then there's no click to play. You literally just see it. I remember we talked about Cookie Monster being very popular as a follower. Meme, he's just tapping his fingers on the desk and you can see that animated motion. I know people that are using animated GIFs as well as images and it overcomes the clicking the button to download it friction. 100%. Yeah, so we've been printing off clients' profile picture and then just sort of toggling it side to side, creating the animation and then putting that, adjust the animation inside the email. So it's me with your picture going, hey, James, you know, like an, it's cheesy, but, it, you know, it's easy. And I think it actually makes, what I'm finding is, you know, I've got very stiff salespeople in some instances, you know, it's making them have more fun and lighten up. So instead of going, hey, Mr. Watson, it's, you know, Mark McGinnis from XYZ Group Corporation, PTYLTD, I'm looking to talk to you to see if there's any business synergies. You know, so just going, hey, James, it's Mark. You know, I'd love to have a chat to you about X. You know? <laughs> I can't imagine anybody in, Australia, anybody in Australia using that kind of language you said before. Like, you guys are all so friendly and uh, informal, which, which I love. But, so, I mean, <laughs> it, it, should de- it should definitely help you create rapport. And just remember that eyeball-to-eyeball contact is super important in building trust. Again, I'm sure you're going to see an uplift over time from using these strategies. Yeah, so before we get off the last episode, uh, are you sending it via text message as well? Have you been sending them via text? So personalized images, so not the images. I don't like putting links to anything in text messages, particularly unless they're expecting it. Yeah. uh, An MMS, so sending an image as an MMS is more expensive, very expensive, in fact, depending on on the country you're sending it from, less so in the U.S., so I typically don't mess around with image with text. I try and keep it very short and simple. But email 
and LinkedIn message. Absolutely, I use uh, images in both of those media. So just for clarity, my idea of volume is, you know, my clients are typically full cycle reps. So they're doing five outreaches a day. You know what I mean? So sending five MMSs costs a buck. No, no one cares, right? So it's great. Yeah. Okay. So I've got you back on. What are we going to talk about today, mate? Well, we want to talk about the elephant in the room, which is that LinkedIn is increasingly restricting the amount of connection requests that people can send on a weekly basis. It's seemingly introducing weekly quotas. So people are sharing screenshots or messages saying, you've used up all your connection request limits or quota for this week and in directing people to other ways to follow people, etc. So this is definitely happening more and more. And so we, we can't ignore it, right? It's only, so why is this happening and what do we do about it? I think are, are two relevant questions. Yeah. So, I mean, why is this happening? Well, I mean, LinkedIn obviously has been trying to find a way to reduce the volume of outreach requests that people have been using, have been making thanks to automation software. And over time, like that volume is going up and up and up. And while LinkedIn wants some engagement on its platform, it wants some people to send some connection requests. It doesn't want you sending two, three hundred a week necessarily. It's not really what it wants. Because if you're sending three hundred a week, let's say, let's like you can't possibly personalize them and make those high quality messages. They're going to be generic. They're going to be, you're going to be using software yep. and all human beings that just replicate software. They copy and paste the same message to everyone. Right? That's not what LinkedIn wants. And as we were talking about this the average quality of those messages is poor. It's like directly, it's inversely proportional, like the volume to the quality, like inversely proportional. So the greater the volume, the lower the quality, almost always. So LinkedIn is trying to find the balance because people complain. They're complaining about the volume of outreach that they're getting and the low quality of it. So they're starting to restrict connection requests. It doesn't matter if you have a sales navigator account or not. It doesn't matter. Sales navigator is not a magic pass to go and spam away all day long. You're going to have to get more, you're going to have to get cleverer in your outreach. So imagine, Mark, if you only had 100 connection requests to send one week, let's say that's 20 a day, Monday to Friday, what would you do? Which 20 people per day would you reach out to? Which 100 for that week? And how would you maximize the success of each individual person accepting your connection request? Because the reality is this, let's just say most people are happy to send, let's say, 200 connection requests a week. And if they get a 25% connection acceptance rate, they're happy. So a 25% connection request of 200 people is 50. 50 connection requests accepted. Now, if you can only send 100, well, the reality is, how can you get a 50? If you can get a 50% connection acceptance rate, that's 50 people. It's the same outcome. And actually, you're probably going to get a better engagement with those 50 people if you have higher quality messaging that's more personalized. So that's the name of the game. How can we get more people to say yes to our connection requests when we have fewer to send out. And if you think back to 2016, which, and I'm, you know, 2015, we were getting 85, 90% connection requests, acceptance. I would send 10, 20 connection requests a day, and I would connect to 18 out of those 20. And that was easy. That was just by saying, hey, James, I'm connecting with sales leaders in Sydney. Love to add you to the network. Simple as that. You send that now, and, and that's going to get you that 20% connection rate, right? So people talk about sales has changed. No, it stayed the same. Like, you know, we were joking before, hey, it's not, not 2019. It's not 2018 anymore, right? This is the fact, right? So whatever you were using 18 months ago, you throw that out the window because it just simply doesn't work. And when you look at the quality 
of the connecting the question the way they've changed. You're absolutely right. So, you know, when we got no personalized connecting requests in 2016, 2017, probably a bit before that, you wouldn't you wouldn't connect, right? Unless it was personalized. In the middle zone, you went, okay, I'm trying to figure out which personalized ones are spam, like are automated, and which which personalized ones are genuine. And then in the last two years, you've almost gone any personalized message is spam. And the connection requests that come through with no message are probably more legitimate. Like it's completely flipped in the last few years. So it's a real challenge. So I'll be interested to hear what you think we should be doing. We have to be aware, as you said, that things change. In the digital space, things change quickly. So you can't just expect what worked three years ago to work today just because it worked three years ago. It's just lazy thinking. So make sure you don't fall into that trap of lazy thinking. Got to be open-minded to adapting, innovating, improving in the digital landscape, right? We all do. And especially what happened last year, a flood of people moving to online on my last year, 2020, with, with everybody with offline events being largely canceled in many parts of the world, with a big transfer to online marketing. So it's a huge increase of volume of people using online because it's the only real channel available. So we've got to adapt to these changing times. So the question is, how can we get this greater number of people to accept our connection request? And there's a couple of ways, a couple of key ways I'm going to suggest that we can do that. The first one is to personalize the connection requests more. Now, I'm not talking about images because we actually we can't use images in the connection request itself, but uh, we're going to use text. There's a concept in email, in cold email, that is dominating right now. If you want to get results sending out cold email, you really need to create what's called a personalized first line. What's happening? A personalized first line is like the first sentence in your cold email. It's so after you say, hi, Bob, right, is then the, the, the next sentence or two sentences is something which is a connection. It's, it's the reason for reaching out to them, or it's something that you've seen about Bob or Bob's company that you, that you want to reference so that Bob knows that this email could only have been sent to Bob and nobody else in the world. So this is, uh, again, how we do one-on-one marketing traditionally is that we'll write personal referrals. This is how we've emailed to introduce ourselves. But there is a way to this hybrid approach where you can create this personal first line, the icebreaker, to show people that you've done some research on them. Then you transition into your value proposition, which could be a relevant case study, and then a call to action at the end to take the action that you want them to do. So increasingly in the cold email space, this is the formula that people are using. High first name, personalized first line, relevant case study, call to action. That's the structure for a classic high converting email, uh, cold email these days. Now it takes more effort to write this first line. And there's now a whole army of people, writers, researchers that you can hire that will just write these personal first lines for you. So if you give them the LinkedIn profile of the person you're looking to reach out to, they'll go and research them, and they'll find something about them, a connection point that they can that they craft, they come up with, that you can insert into the rest of the message structure. So that's the personal first line, and you get way more open rates, way more engagement, way more replies when you take this very personalized approach to email. Which makes sense because it, it does seem like a genuinely one-on-one personal email. Does that make sense, Mark? It, of course it does. Yep, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So if that works in email, why don't we do the same thing with LinkedIn? Time? Does it take, is it too hard? It's not that hard. Here's the key, though. Not all LinkedIn automation softwares have merge fields. 
personalized merge fields you can use where you can where you literally write a first line a first line. I'll give you an example uh, in a minute. At least from my experience, many softwares don't have the ability to create these personal merge fields, so you can't automate it with software. That's why one of the reasons why so few people do it. So if you do have software that allows you to create these custom fields, you can then upload this custom first line. Now, great. Now you can actually automate the sending of your connection requests, 20 a day, let's say if we're doing 100, with a personalized first line. And then once people connect, they'll go into the automated follow-up sequence as normal. So that's, so yeah, so this is going to be, this is how you race again in terms of LinkedIn average. Virtually nobody does this on LinkedIn. And when you do personalize this connection request, the response rate is way higher. Almost always. So there's things that I see in my inbox, and I'm tempted to open it now because there's one, there'll be one right there that says, and you may not say, hi, Mark. I love what you're doing at Mark McGinnis Sales Training. Kudos. And then they'll just go, can we get a meeting? Like, is it that or is it more than that? That's a great question. So there's a difference between average first lines and attempts at first lines and great first lines. That's not really a personalized first line. That's just a generic sentence. You could say that to everybody. So that's the key. Does it pass the test? Could I replace that name and send it to everybody else and it still means something? If yes, you don't have a personalized first line. It's just a generic line. Okay, great. So in that case, it, does, it doesn't pass the test. It's not fully personalized. Let me give you an example about a personalized first line. Right. So, so this was real, based on real research for real outreach that so we did. And actually, I'll, I'll pick an example here. Right? So there's a guy here who's president of a, of a tech company. And the personal first line is, hey, Robert, in this case, saw your recent Zoom video about the impact of DDoS attacks on SMBs. It's shocking, as you said, that 27 to 30% of businesses never came back after an incident. That is a first line. So it, it, there's two sentences. So it's a first paragraph, effectively. But is there any doubt in Robert's mind the fact that you are writing only to him. Now I want to know how to do that. Well, so think about what we needed to do to go through that process. Saw your recent Zoom video about the impact of DDoS. Where was that? It happened to be on, it was, it was on Robert's company's website. Mm-hmm. Okay. So not only did I see the video, I didn't just say, I saw your video. It was great. Thumbs up, right? Which is at least you're recognizing that he's made a video. You can't send that to everyone. But I'm picking out a specific stat that he said on that video, and it wasn't in minute one either, it was in minute 27, something like that. Right? So and what it shows is that I have done research, and I listened to the video, I listened to what he specifically said, and I'm feeding back to him what he said, and I'm saying it's, a, it's obviously you know, a significant point, and it's a great point he made. So he's like, oh my gosh, this person's watched the video, understood what I said, and is, you know, is repeating it back to me. So is he paying attention to every single word you say thereafter? Yes, because you've demonstrated credibility, that you've done research. And so, so that is like a, that's a full email first line. Now, what would I say in, in LinkedIn connection requests? Because I, I like to keep my LinkedIn connection requests as short as possible. You've only got what, 300 characters in any case. I would do a modified version of that that would just be something like, hey, Robert, I saw your recent Zoom video about the impact of DDoS attacks on SMBs. Would love to connect. Thanks, James. I probably wouldn't go into the full detail about that it's shocking, as you said, 27 to 30% of businesses, blah, blah, blah. I would probably keep it shorter. And, but still, the fact that I'm referencing that he's done a, a Zoom video and it was about impact of DDoS attacks. 
It's still personalized. It still can only be sent to Robert. I can't send it to Bob, John, Sue, Mary, anywhere else. That is personalization that would be sufficient to at least lift you above every, everyone else. It's just sending generic messages. Yeah, no, that passes the test for me. Yeah, I love it. Is your outreach getting you labeled as a spammer? What once worked in B2B outbound doesn't work anymore. The goalposts have moved, and so must your approach to sales. Sure, you might land an odd conversation or even a reply to an odd cold email, but is it scalable? Will it provide you with enough revenue to hit your yearly goals? Having worked with sales teams all over the world, we see what works and what doesn't. Our new POW coaching program provides sellers with access to the very best training available today. It doesn't matter if you're a team of 50 or a team of one. We have flipped traditional sales training on its head and allow you to learn in your own time and still get the important coaching help that you need. Grab all the details at markmc.com slash pow. Okay, so what else? What happens next? So once we've started to personalize the connection request, then, then you should be seeing a bump just on that alone. But if you, the, the other key strategy to increase the percentage of people who accept those connection requests is to go multi-channel. You could actually warm up this prospect with an email first. So let's just say, take the example of Robert. So we could reach out to, to Robert. We could send him a cold email using this personal first line that we've already crafted with a relevant case study of some value. Same one? Same, do we use the same line? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would use the, in the email, I'd use the full one, the one that I, I mentioned initially where, where, I, where I referenced stat. Because in the cold email, you're going to send the, 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 the connection, the, sorry, the personal first line, you're going to have the relevant case study, and then you have a call to action. You've got more time in an email. So you've got more, more, more time to be able to, to craft that message. The LinkedIn connection request, you don't. Uh, so we have to be really brief in the connection request message. The cold email will warm up Robert to you. Now, you might get a reply directly to the cold email, but if you don't, you can then send him a connection request and you can say, hey, Robert, first of all, you could use the same connection request. I would say, you know, I saw your recent Zoom video about the impact of DDoS attacks on SMBs. And you could also say, and I emailed you about this recently too. I, I emailed you the other day about that. Did you see it? Question mark. Would love to connect. Would you double tap on it? Would you send the email and the LinkedIn thing at the same time? Try and pop up in two parts of their inbox, you know what I mean? Yeah, so you, I mean, you could send it at the same time. I mean, well, I have clients where we stagger it, where we send the, the email before, and uh, that day before, and we'll start the LinkedIn connection request the day after. So we can say, hey, I emailed you yesterday, or I emailed you recently. Not sure if you saw it. What are we doing? We're referencing the fact we've reached out to them through another channel. What that means is that we're serious about reaching out to them because the vast, vast majority of sales is single chat, yeah. whether it's phone, email, LinkedIn, social, whatever it is, carrier pigeon, right? We, we just stick to our favorite channel that we like. That's going to have limited effectiveness compared to when you go multi-channel or omni-channel. When you start reaching out to people in multiple different ways, it's like, my gosh, first of all, these people can't avoid you. Even if they don't log into their LinkedIn as often as they check their email, they're going to see you in multiple places. They're going to think, this person is serious about contacting me. There's obviously a reason why they want to reach out to me. I'm going to pay more attention to them and maybe respond to them. So that's why I thought maybe a double tap might work from a, a workflow point. You know, so if I'm reaching out to you, I shoot you an email. 
and then I do the LinkedIn connecting request immediately. Most people would see that connecting request a little bit later. So from a workflow perspective as a salesperson, I can just get them out, you know, done and then assuming that it's not that I'm doing that manually. You definitely can do it at the same time if you want to. So, so that's, uh, it all de- again, I would just recommend testing different combination of approaches and being scientific about it to see what works the best. But the bottom line is, is the, the more channels of communication you use to reach out to your prospect, the greater the response you will get across all of them. It's as simple as that. Rising tide floats all boats. I'm 100% across that. I thought that analogy was for the stock market, not for outreach, but I'll, 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 I'll take it. I'll work it. So what else? So I know there's more coming here. So we've, we're gonna, we've sent them an email using some software that does this fancy first line stuff, which is awesome. So, sorry, it is software that gets it, isn't it? You're not doing the work yourself. You could do it either way, but no, I, I'm using software to do this. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And did you want to share what that was or you'd rather not? I think I, I think I will actually, because in this instance, the, the software market is very dynamic. So new softwares are coming on board in the market all the time. So that's, you never want to be wedded to one particular platform. But the, the one I'm currently using is Expandy. So Expandy is the, is the platform that, that I use that allows personalized merge fields that you can then upload and you can import the data from a CSV or you can zap the data into, into Expandy through, from other applications. And so you can really automate the whole process of putting people into the campaigns in Expandy and Expandy will then send out those personalized connection requests for you. Mm. Okay, so that's pretty cool. Well, very cool, actually. So then what happens after that? We sent them an email, then let's say... Let's stick with your strategy. The next day, we then send them a personalized, very personalized connection request, one that's going to fool me. So I'm going to go, hey, James has spent 45 minutes crafting this. So that's the thing, right? So I'm thinking you've listened to 27 minutes of my podcast. So therefore, I'm thinking, well, if James has gone to that detail, I have to let him into the gate. I have to open the gate, you know? I know everybody, I can read the mind of all of your listeners right now. They're thinking, James... Mark, you guys are crazy. I haven't got time to go and watch Zoom videos of one of my prospects and, and to pull out one nugget of statistics to put in an email. Correct. Like, how am I going to, I'll never get anything done if I did that with all of my prospects all week. So, what do I do? So, here's the good news you can actually hire people. There's a whole new specialist or breed of specialist outsourcer that you can hire that will write these first lines and they will do a good job on them as well if they're, if they're well trained. And, and so you don't have to be the first the person that goes and, and finds the connection point. You can hire people to do it because ultimately it's a writing, it's a researching and writing skill. It's not a sales skill. It's not a marketing skill because we're not trying to sell your products or services. We're just trying to find a connection point you know, of humanity, common humanity to reach out and connect with these people. And that's a skill. As any other skill, it can be learned. So people that have that skill, and if they're doing it consistently, they're doing it all day long, they can get pretty darn good at it. You can outsource the writing of these first lines and then add them into the rest of your campaign flow. Where do you find them and what do they cost, roughly? You'll find them if you go to Upwork, you go to the, to the freelancing sites, you can look for email. If you look for personalized first line writers, gotcha. so to create a job or do a research for other people who are personalized first line writers, how much can you expect to pay? Anywhere from about... Make seventy-five to eighty cents US through to a dollar thirty, something like that. And again, a good average might be what a dollar per first line. Wow! Remember, we're not we're not writing thousands of these things. We're only sending a hundred a week. Yeah, uh, that, that would be one hundred dollars to have one hundred fully personalized first lines 
So you could send in a LinkedIn connection request and an email to your prospects. You've written none of it. You use software to send it out. All you do is respond back when people start engaging with you because of the high quality of the message you sent out. And I would think that if I asked the average salesperson to find me 100 first lines, they'd say I'll have that, you know, Monday morning, 9 o'clock. they go, could have that done by Friday? <laughs> well, it's not going to happen, right? It's not going to happen. But this, this is why you, you can outsource this stuff. Again, like anything else, there will be better and worse providers. So you've got to know what a good first line is. And that good first line is something which is truly personalized, not generic, weak, and kind of low level and lame, right? So it has to be super specific to that person or the company and really stand out. But again, once you've seen a really good first line, and I gave you an example already, that's the kind of standard you need, your writer needs to live up to. And if they don't, don't accept it, right? Move on to the next one. Got it. Okay. What's the next step, guys? Well, there was a couple other things that's worth going on in the in the LinkedIn world right now. Very important to be aware of. So LinkedIn is really, as all of these digital platforms are, they're all in a race with each other. For oh, hang on. The, the, the omni-channel piece, we missed the last step. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. So, so okay. Absolutely right. So, <laughs> I tweeted about this yesterday. And then so I, I talked about the omni-channel trifecta. And so trifecta, so three elements. Yep. We talked about cold email. We talked about LinkedIn. So there are obviously two of the three. The third piece of this trifecta, it would be the phone call follow. What? I'm not getting on the so, phone. Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. If you've sent somebody a cold email that's highly personalized, and if you send them a LinkedIn connection request that's personalized, then you follow up with a phone call. That is going to be the easiest outbound phone call you ever make in your life. Because yeah. all you're doing is you say, hey, Bob. I sent you an email the other day and uh, LinkedIn correct connection request. Did you, did you get it? Like, and you can say that to the gatekeeper if you're trying to get through to, to Bob, if you get through directly to Bob. You're just starting with that connection point. Yep. And again, the fact that you've done something already, it's not a cold call, you've tried to reach out to him through some other way already. You're serious. And even though it, don't, it shouldn't mean much, it actually does mean much. And the thing about LinkedIn, I'll say especially, I, I know this because my clients sort of use this approach. As soon as you mention that you're connected on LinkedIn or you've sent them a LinkedIn connection request, it's like all the barriers are exactly are, are low. 1,000. So they will give you 15 minutes for a phone call there and then, or five minutes of their time, whatever it is, which is all you need to move the process forward or outsource it. Yeah. So adding the phone as the third part, after we've done the email and the LinkedIn to kind of warm up, introduce yourself, get that name and brand recognition in front of them. So they'll take your call. You're not unknown to them when you call. You're just going to have a much higher success rate in getting through to them on the phone and then having a quality conversation. Gold. Absolutely gold. Now let's move into the, the other very exciting things that are happening in LinkedIn. Yeah, just quickly. So this is kind of like a, a news roundup, it feels, for what's going on in, in, in LinkedIn. So there's a couple of things that are worth pointing out. So first of all, LinkedIn has announced just over a month ago or so that it is going to be producing a marketplace. And it's penciling in September 2021 to launch this marketplace. So what is a marketplace? It's the marketplace of services where you can list your services and people can buy those services directly on LinkedIn without having to go off to third-party platforms. So Microsoft is building out an e-payment platform that's going to be integrated. So you will be able to charge a prospect for an hour's consulting, and they will be able to pay directly on LinkedIn. Or you can offer them your services for, for what you do in any other way, shape, or form, just like you might do on freelancing sites like Upwork or Fiverr, for example. And so many people are saying this is competition for those two 
industries because the freelancing market is exploding. It's only going to get bigger and bigger. The stock price of Fiverr and et cetera is going through the roof. It's one of the biggest picks that uh, many people in the, in the know are tipping to continue going up. And LinkedIn and Microsoft wants its piece of the pie. And so think about it. You've got LinkedIn's entire user base already on the platform. Then you can market to them services directly. I mean, that it just reduces the friction for people to be able to say yes and engage with you if you keep it all on the same platform. So that's going to be hugely significant for anybody that's doing any kind of B2B service selling. That you, you'll be crazy not to have some profile, some presence, some offer on that marketplace to take advantage of it, even if it's just your initial initial foot in the door offering. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it makes me wonder what happens to websites. You know, is this the end of... So, you know, like I've got a website, but I think 95% of my business arrives via LinkedIn or is originated via LinkedIn. So sure, I might get a phone call or a text message, but, you know, they've usually seen me on LinkedIn. And if there's a really easy way to buy a service, I wonder if that's going to reduce that friction, as you said. I think that's going to be really clever. I've got another gentleman who I've got coming on the podcast wants to talk about Amazon B2B. There's a B2B marketplace that they're trying to develop. So you wonder if Microsoft are just trying to get the jump on that. I don't know much about that. Amazon Play. So I've got, I'll have Adam on in the next few weeks to share some details about that. Uh, yeah, so that's huge. That's definitely huge. So how, what can we do to get ready for that? Well, you need to uh, brighten up your profile. I produced for my 50th birthday, which was, which was last month, I produced a, thank you, a 50 tip PDF guide to how to improve the personalization, how to improve your profile on LinkedIn. So profile optimization tips. So that PDF was very popular because Frankly, we need to up our game on with our profile on LinkedIn to get ready to position ourselves as experts, to build our following, build our targeted connections so that we can take the, you know, we can make these offers in the marketplace that people want to marketplace buy. Yeah. So my head's exploding. So, yeah, okay. More work. And so this kind of this kind of goes in hand in hand with the next thing I want to which I want to touch on, which is really hot off the press. So you're kind of getting this news first here on the boss podcast which is that LinkedIn has announced it's producing its own version of Clubhouse. Mm. So if you've been living under a rock recently, you've never heard of Clubhouse. Clubhouse is an app on iOS only where you can create audio rooms where people can come in and you've got a moderator and other people can listen. You can live chat via audio. It's been super, super popular. And Twitter is developing its own version of it as well. It's called Spaces on Twitter. That's in beta right now. But Clubhouse is live, is, is live and working, but you, it only works on iOS, which, again, is super annoying if you're not on that platform. And so um, there are some limitations, but it's been wildly popular for those that have used it. And again, LinkedIn is looking, well, I want a piece of that pie. I want a piece of this audio space, audio room market, which is fast evolving. And it's saying, and it released a mock-up that TechCrunch uh, published yesterday, and I, I tweeted it about the, the image. And uh, it's, it's basically the, the killer app, killer feature of the LinkedIn Clubhouse is the fact that you can see the LinkedIn profiles of everybody who's in the room. So again, you'll be able to know and have confidence who the people are in the room, who they're speaking. You can easily go and get their bio, their backgrounds, what they do, because that's the power of the LinkedIn profile. So this is why you, you know, it, there's a lot more gravitas to using your LinkedIn profile in a, in a discussion in a room then with Clubhouse, nobody knows who you are on Clubhouse, right? And there's all kinds of uh, people on there. So again, the big advantage LinkedIn has is its credibility of its platform. So people are on the platform, so they will want to 
to experiment with this. And the real problem LinkedIn has is engagement. We talked about this before the call, that LinkedIn groups are a ghost town. Nobody engages on them. It's not like Facebook groups where there's high engagement. So LinkedIn's always had this issue, how to keep people dwelling on its platform and having them engaging messaging. And this could be a real game changer because I, I see a lot of people will be more comfortable with audio. You don't have to be on video, right? So you could be anywhere. You can jump on an audio and speak. People are used to that in the business world. And it's just going to be more serious and people will feel more comfortable joining an audio room on LinkedIn than they will do on Clubhouse or these other platforms that they probably don't know about. Yeah, yeah. So what I've seen all with Clubhouse is people will start conversations and they link back to their LinkedIn profile anyway. But you've got to get off Clubhouse and then get, you know what I mean? So, so we talked about removing friction. This is super frictionless, right? So it's like, Hey, I'm right. We're on the platform. I'm right there. I'm talking to James and this is his profile. I've got his messaging capability. I can see who he's worked with. I can see his skills and endorsements. I can see what he's posted about. I know if he's out of his depth. You know what I mean? Like, so if you're talking about building a house and all your stuff is talking about sales, you know, and all your content's talking about sales skills or outreach, you're like, well, how does this guy know how to build a house? <laughs> so, you know, the credibility piece is really easy. Whereas in Clubhouse, you can sort of just turn up to any old room you want and, and start chatting. The notifications in Clubhouse have been the biggest challenge for me. They've really done my head. Here's the thing. So LinkedIn has the audience. It has 700 million users. It has the credibility of being the number one business-to-business networking platform in the planet, right? That's not changing anytime soon. If they just introduce this functionality into its platform, do you think people are going to choose it rather than necessarily going out to Clubhouse, where, as you said, there's not the same trust. It's not the same um, user experience, especially if you don't have an iOS device. It's a pretty poor experience. There's no experience if you don't have an iOS device. And there are people who don't own iOS devices. There are people out there in the world roaming the land without Apple iPhones. Apparently so. Clubhouse, take note. (laughs) So no, I think Clubhouse is going to see a lot of competition. If this hits, and I don't know, I have have no idea of timescales. The article didn't go into that. But if this hits, there's going to be serious competition for Clubhouse. When it does start, I think you, me, and a couple of our buddies from Twitter should start a, a room on outreach. 100%. Yeah, I think a lot of people will come over from money Twitter onto, onto money LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, James, let's, let's wrap it up. I promise people we keep it short and, short and powerful, and there's so much stuff in there. Like, it's awesome. But we've just mentioned Twitter, and, you know, I love social media, and I've really been enjoying Twitter. And, you know, you and your buddies over there, when I say over there, on the platform, like we're just having so much fun. If you're not on Twitter or if you are on Twitter, if you're not on Twitter, get on Twitter. If you are on Twitter, look up James. He's, you know, at LinkedIn underscore King. And if you find James, I'm not far away, you know, and that's M.A. McInnes. Look, Twitter's just such a good time. Like when you, when you put the politics aside and you just have people on Twitter talk about politics and yelling at each other, and then it's like we've got our own secret Twitter. Everyone's having a good time and sharing stuff. It's really interesting. There's a lot of positivity in the area of money Twitter, which is this sub-niche within it where people are interested in investing, building businesses, personal growth. Those are the three things people are interested in. So there's a lot of positivity, encouragement, and there's a, I see a lot of negativity in the real world on Twitter outside. And this is what you reference, people criticizing each other, having arguments, talking about nonsense, right? which is, it has always put me off being on Twitter in the past. I'm sure I'm not alone. So this is like a little oasis in the desert, an oasis of positivity in the desert of Twitter otherwise, right? So it's, uh, I'd highly recommend that people that come and uh, follow you, follow me and the people that we connect with because I think you might, uh, you might like it. The engagement, the, the, the banter, the actual great information because you can post a lot more frequently 
on Twitter than you can on LinkedIn. That's why the engagement is higher on Twitter. So that's why I use it and love it. Yeah. Much like you. I, I couldn't agree more. Speaking of engagement, how can people get more of the LinkedIn King of, of James Watson? Where, where Tell me what, where can they go? Etc. Well, I love Twitter. Uh, I like LinkedIn as well. So you can look me up on both of those. But the, the best place to do to go is to go to connectedclients.co, connectedclients.co, and join my email list. Because still, email is a massive place for email in the world. And I've got over 500 people opted in on this email list now that get my, my personal updates and additional secret private info that I only send on email. I don't share on Twitter. So yeah, if you go to connectedclients.co, you'll actually get two PDFs as a bonus when you opt in. It's all totally free. One of them is the 50 PDF profile optimization tips for LinkedIn. And the other one is the personalized image marketing PDF as well. So you can get both of those for free at connectedclients.co. Yep. And I'm on your list. So there you go. Yeah. And uh, thank, thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate you. So, James, thank you so much for coming on to the Boss Podcast for a second time. Another massive amount of, of takeaways. I'm looking forward to seeing if this episode's more popular than the last and by the top off our, our previous records. Thanks very much, mate. I really do appreciate your time. Thank you, Mark. You're very welcome. How would you like an electronic copy of Tactical Pipeline Growth sent directly to you for free? You see, I need a little help and I'm prepared to swap you for it. All you have to do is leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts as it would really help other listeners to find us and it helps us find more great guests in the future. And of course, the better the guests, the better the sales strategies that we get. The good news is it'll only take you about 60 seconds to do and you can probably access the review function directly from the device you're using right now to listen to us. I'd really appreciate it. Simply leave us a review and then screenshot that and send it to me either via DM on LinkedIn or directly through my email and I'll send you a copy of the book straight away. So that's it for this show. Catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening.